Welcome to What She Said Podcast with Shanae Hall. Welcome to another episode of What She Said. I'm excited about today's episode because we're talking about going from slavery to building generational wealth. And most of us don't know how to build generational wealth. We might know how to get okay. A lot of us have goals to be able to get by, to be able to pay all our bills. But I sat down with this gentleman on accident, really, and we got into a full-on four, five, six-hour conversation about, Sinead, get your money right. Let's get your money right. And I was like, hold on. Now you're talking my language. Needless to say, I want to bring in my guest today, Bruce LaBelle, owner of Dunwoody Diamonds USA. I wanted to make sure I included the USA part. Yeah, that's right. Um, let's get started. So. Not only do you own Dunwoody Diamonds, but there are buildings that I've seen with your name on them in Sugarloaf and other areas. But what makes your story so compelling is you said you came here with $35 in your pocket. Yeah. I got $35. Yeah. I'm trying to get to the millions. <laughs> so please educate me and give me a little background on how you got started, what motivated you, and what got you to this point where you're at right now. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Well, interesting. I, first, I have to say we, we meaning my wife and I. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't want to just put that on the record for all the women out there. Absolutely. Let's, just, let's give it up, you know, without <laughs> Wait, how her. how long you been married? Well, 29 years. Okay, that yeah. counts. If so, you said so without her, days. without her, I wouldn't be sitting here or mm. we wouldn't be having this conversation. How about that? So anyway, um, fast forwarding it, you know, having a great dad, a dad who uh, uh, came from Noonan, Georgia, that started a real estate company when he retired in the military in Central Texas, one of the first black brokers in Texas, a little history there. Your dad introduced you to owning something. Right, okay. and his dad, yeah. Oh, okay, so right. you come from a generation of business owners. You could say, yeah, it's yeah, because my granddad was a very successful farmer in, in Noonan, Georgia, had about 400 acres, and uh, he did very well until he got sick and, of course, went on home. So when you're, that would be your grandfather. Yep. How, what year was that? In Oh, gosh, 40s? You know, 50s. So he was able to own land in Georgia in oh, yeah. the 40s and 50s. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of prosperous uh, black-owned businesses in the 40s and 50s, believe it or not. Obviously, obviously reasons because of the segregation rules. The, the spirit of especially black culture and building business back in the days was, um, you know, the fact that they were putting themselves together and, and not worrying about, uh, you know, being hindered or, or pushed back. They just said, you know what? We'll build our own gas station. We'll okay. build our own groceries. You know, so that we do have a strong, rich history of that. Um, I love talking about this. I'm glad that we're uh, actually discussing this because I always felt that that's always been the biggest void in our culture is the, the knowledge of generational wealth or, or accumulating generational wealth or understanding generational wealth. So, I, I, you know, I always said that black, black Americans, we're the most resilient creatures on the planet. I say that respectfully because... I mean, my God, look what we go through. I mean, right. we, we could take so much stuff. But how did you, you said you started, um, when we were talking earlier, so you said you started with $35. Yeah. Now, when I hear you say you had generational wealth we were with people that own things, yeah. did you really start out, or was it like the Trump, a small loan of a million dollars? Well, it, it's kind of like this. It's, it's not so much as the monetary aspect, it's the, the knowledge of it. Remember, the knowledge is just as profound as just the actual cash in the bank, too. Right. And I say this on national TV, you know, when white Americans' businesses cough, black Americans, catch you know, pneumonia. catch pneumonia yeah. and almost die with the IV in their arm. Right. But I say we're, we're getting better, we're getting stronger. Um, 
you know, out of the 30.6 million small businesses in the country, you know, we're only 2% of that 30.6 million of 330 million people in the United States. But guess what, Shanae? We, we represent 62% of that GDP. So how do you think, and this is my biggest question, you know, when we talk, when I'm hearing you, you're talking about your parents, they're building something, and then you follow suit. Now, you've been married for 29 years. How do you think that element contributes to the poverty when we have so many people that don't have two-parent households yeah. and don't own businesses and don't understand the economic development process? Yeah. How do you think that plays into where black people are right now today? Yeah, well, interesting. Um, I've, I've been faced with this many years, this question, so it's a very familiar question. One of them is ministry. And one of the, the, the best blessings for my wife and I are sowing seeds into people who work for us. Owning a business is more than just making money. It's a, it's a ministry. Um, it's discipleship. It's helping and nurturing other people. Because you know, you know as well as I do, the best mentor... The best education to learn a business is go work for a business. Right. I mean, you can go get your accounting degree, which helps, which is tremendous, by the way, especially as it relates to uh, making sure your payroll taxes and all your uh, and helping to understand balance sheets, et cetera. And that's so, key. I mean, that's and I think that if you don't take anything else from this that you got so far is finding someone to mentor you in that direction. Yeah. And I actually came in here to get this necklace <laughs> tweaked. She's going to tell on us. Yes, and, I, and we started having a conversation because I want them to know that you're genuinely saying, you're meaning what you're saying. And he just starts going on about, like I said, get your money right, Shanae. Starting a business, <laughs> stay focused. Don't worry about the policies and the politics. Worry about this, this, and this. And, and I'm just sitting there. Literally, my mind blown, and I know a lot of wealthy people, and I have a lot of rich friends, but none that have actually sat down and said, these are the steps that you need to take. And I was like, well, I don't know how to open up a retail business. And he was like, okay, let's start making calls. And I'm literally sitting here in Dunwoody Diamonds, USA, mm -hmm. and he starts making calls to bankers to get loans for build out of the location he contacts somebody that's already in the business that i was discussing and puts that person in front of me and that person is like well i could help you and give you all the stuff that you need and give you your playbook so when he's saying this he's not just saying it from it sounds good on camera he actually sat down with me <laughs> and i mean we we've known each other in passing but never really had a full-on conversation and i told him i said no one has ever poured into me like you did in those four hours and that set even my path and my kids' path, because now they're talking about it. They went over and looked at the location in the <laughs> public shopping center that we're looking at um, opening. So that mentorship, like I said, if you take nothing else from it, if you're already in a position where you already have your business going and you're creating wealth for yourself, pass that information on, because that's the only way that we change the trajectory yeah. of our communities. Yeah. Um, I do want to have Sharon chime in. Are you around? Don't don't be in hiding. I want to have you chime in on this part where how did you contribute to the wealth? All right, so I had to bring in Miss Sharon because he said his wife is the reason, which I love to hear that as a woman. I, you know that brings me all kinds of joy, what she said. Um, so I had to bring her in because I want to hear her side of it as we often see on television and in our industry that it's the men that you know are successful. It's the men that have accomplished all these things, but they don't really realize that the reason that they are able to accomplish what they accomplish is because God sent them a helper 
that made that possible. So Sharon, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on thank what she said. Thank you for having me. Yes. And <laughs> you see, you see all this beautiful caramelness going on, this chocolate. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> so Sharon, I want to kind of go back and bring you in on the beginning part of the conversation. When I said, he said, talked about coming with $35 and a vision and understanding generational wealth or gen understanding generational ownership, but not having Dunwoody Diamonds under his belt. You know what I'm saying? So what is it that you saw in him that said, this is the person I'm going to marry, and I see the potential in him to be something great? Let's start with what you saw in this man sitting next <laughs> to you. Well, when we were dating, we would talk about having our own business. It was something that I... I aspired to before I even met him. And there were very few people that I could talk to that could see that vision. Every, everyone, basically, that I dated in the past, they talked about, you know, going into the service, working for a corporation, something like that. Nobody was talking about running their own business. So when I met him and we were dating, these are dreams we could have together. Mm. We didn't know specifically what business at the time, but we both talked about running our own business. And so let's speed up. We get married, and I would come home for work because I work for a corporate company. Okay. And I would come home from work, and I would complain, and he would come home from his corporate company and complain, and it was the complaints, the frustration, and just being tired of being in corporate America that led us to being able to open up our own business. We took that negative energy and turned it into something positive. That's awesome. Right. You and know. how did you, so how did you start? So you guys said, we sit down, we, nightly we have conversations about owning our own. What was the first step that you guys took to owning your own? Okay, so I don't know if it's obvious, but I am a nerd and I'm very analytical. No, it's not obvious. <laughs> not with the leather dress on. No, 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 you didn't. <laughs> but, so, but we'll take that. So, so he's the sales guy and I'm, I'm the the analytical one. So the first thing I said is, honey, we have to do our research. So we literally went where, where the traffic counts for certain streets. What are the demographics of certain areas? How many people live in that area? So you always knew, you guys both knew that you wanted to do diamonds or jewelry? It, it happened yeah. authentically because that's the business that he was in. And it made the most sense. If he was setting up stores for companies, why couldn't we set up our own store? Nice. Yeah. So one of the things that this, what she said is really about family, marriage, relationships, all that good stuff. How do we fix it for those that don't have that? It's easy when I sit back and I look at you guys, I'm like, well, that's cool. Your, your dad, granddad owned land. Your dad owned some duplexes, and now you own some, some shit. Okay, cool. Everybody winning. I get it. What about the other people that don't have all those things? How do they start? Well, let's back up because my family was a military family. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't raised in a family that ran their own business. Okay. 
Um, I have sisters and brothers that run their own business now, but but our dad didn't run and our mom didn't run um, their own business. So you don't have to come from a family that already has a business in play. I think it's really important to have a mentor, someone who has already been there and done it that can teach you and show you. Um, you can also, like Bruce said, working in the industry that you're interested in gives you a playbook. Um, that's where you get to learn about the vendors that you'll need. You'll make those relationships. Um, you'll watch that business makes, make mistakes you can learn from them and make sure you don't implement that in your own business. So, but even Bruce and I have mentors. There are people who have been in business longer than us that we talk to to this day about things that occur because the economy changes. Mm -hmm. Things change in the industry and you need someone who has seen this, seen it and done it before that you can go to and say, okay, this is my situation. How do I, how do I handle this? Okay. And then Bruce, I have a quick question for you. As far as you're working in the industry, you're helping these places build up their, their own business. How did you go about getting the finances to start your diamond business? Yeah, good question. You know, one thing about this particular conversation, especially obviously in black culture, the number one issue is access to capital. You know, let's let's just be real, and, and there's a whole subject about that as it relates to how to acquire it, what type of loans there are, as well as crowdfunding, which is another conversation with how some cultures have done very well generationally. Right, um, right here in the metro Atlanta area, for say, and even across the country, um, we're getting better. Um, and I think the, the the disparity for us is that we've been taught that we can't work together as a family unit, and it does go back in a very uh, subliminal, passive, uh, generational curse telling us, dividing us, conquering us, to separate us, to making sure we can't. And, and, but we're getting better. I'm not going to sit here. and We do have some unfortunate past in black culture in, in this country, in the world for that matter, for brown, brown Americans. But in, in relation to the, the, the access to capital, for, for example, to answer your question, Sharon and I, we're very creative, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I remember um, we pawned our wedding silver. Um, we hawked the cars because they were they were paid in full, where you can go to the credit union and get a loan against your car. So we pretty much hawked the cars, hawked the credit cards. Uh, uh, we had some really beautiful silver we got for uh, our wedding. We we hawked that back to riches, and they were like, "You sure everything's okay? Yeah, we're fine." You know, <laughs> we were we were raising cash. Okay. And so we we pretty much hawked everything. We depleted a lot of the savings that we acquired together, and um, we went for broke. And I, I remember this. Watch this. This is very important for the viewers. What I'm about to say is that. We were when we came into the marriage. The tithing and the giving was very was key, and that that was the foundation, obviously, of the marriage of of anything. When you're giving, you're constantly giving. That's the protection, no matter what happens. It's another s- subject there, but we hocked everything. And I remember I said, 
you know, you realize we're probably two months of being homeless if this doesn't work. And this is, this is profound. She, I don't know if she remembered this. She said, you know, as long as we have each other, it doesn't really matter. You said that? Did I say that? Yeah. I was like, you said that in real yeah. life? Yes, she did. Was I mature enough to yes, say she that? Did. <laughs> yes, she did. Were you thinking that she, through? She was glazed up with Big Daddy. <laughs> Not Big Daddy. <laughs> that's right, honey. In I the flesh. I think I was just committed to the, to the project. But that's what I'm, that's, that's, but, but regardless, we were two months of being, like, losing everything. And, and I'll be honest with you, it's not for everyone. It's, it's a huge risk. And we've, had, we've encountered some other big, big, huge risks. But with that discipline and that unconditional willingness to, like, succeed, it doesn't really matter. It's just, it's just part of an adjustment. And you're going to have adjustments, some big, some large, some small. Right. We'd like to have the small ones, but unfortunately <laughs> there are some large ones uh, that I'm sure the viewers can uh, can um, understand and articulate too, as well as it happened in their families and families. So, um, yeah, that that's pretty much how we started the. Uh, but remember, the the key focus here was the was the faith factor, which is far is number one on the list, mm-hmm. and everything else falls underneath that. But yeah, to hawk everything, everything you have, and have zero, and go for broke is is very risky. So, were you able to get any kind of? Oh, I take that back. My dad did give me a, f- a few thousand dollars. Okay, so if you would yeah. hit me with the Trump, a small loan of a million dollars, I'd have rolled your chair out of here. You know, and it's interesting <laughs> like that because, you know, um, that's, that's, I mean, that's biblical. I mean, let's just be real. It's biblical to pass on wealth. It talks about your children's children's wealth. Mm-hmm. It's very important in there. But here's an important key factor for the Lavelles is don't get wealthy and keep it a secret. We get too caught up in, well, I did this for you, you owe me. no. Just put it out there, mm-hmm. and then God's going to take care of the rest. Absolutely. Especially if you're sowing seeds into someone else, because I'm going to tell you, I didn't tell you this, but I'll say it on camera. Um, when you open, it's going to be very successful. You're going to have more than one. Here's a prophecy. Here we go. Okay. But then you're going to take the same knowledge to some of your employees that are going to work the counter, this conversation, and what you, they're going to see your balance sheet. They're going to see the, the, the profit and loss statement of your business, and then you're going to sow a seed, and they're going to grow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's coming. I received that. So there you go. I just, <laughs> I just want to share that Sharon, right now. Sharon, let me tell you, I was in here, and he was like, well, oh, what are you looking at? I was like, no, no, I'm not. I see the price tags. No, he was like, no, you, you need a Rolex, don't you? He was like, it's coming. I was like, well, well let's wait for it to get here, right now. <laughs> Coming to a theater near you. Let's go on and just get these earrings and walk out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's. I think for me, the reason I wanted to have you, Bruce, and you, Sharon, join join me today is because I look at our community, right? And I, I see the lack of so much, but the potential to have so much more. And I don't know or I didn't know why we're missing, you know? Everybody talks about, well, the, the Jews came here and they did this, and the Hispanics come here and they do this, and Asians, and everybody does everything, but we're here, we've been here since 1619, yeah. and we've accomplished less overall than these people that are coming here from other countries. But like you said, they're sharing the information amongst each other on how to open that gas station. You look at beauty supply stores, they're in black neighborhoods. Korean very owned. few, I was just about to say, yeah. very few I, of them are owned by black people. I know that model people. very well. And it's like they don't care who they're selling to. They just want to make sure they're in a place where they can sell, right. you know, and we're not thinking mm-hmm. beyond paying the light bill. 
beyond getting through the month. I'm not talking about getting through the year. Yeah. I'm not talking about if a pandemic hits, can I quit my job and sustain myself for six months? You know what I'm saying? And so I want to take our mindset from a place of wanting the bare minimum to expecting a lot. You know, and like I said, just talking to Bruce for those few hours really changed my whole life. Like, he may not know it, or maybe he does know it because Bruce is kind of, Bruce, <laughs> you talk to me, your life has changed. <laughs> uh, you know, better than being called Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> it's pretty much that energy you get from him. But it literally, I went home and I said, oh, I could do this. And that was my first time thinking, I can do this. And I called up the real estate agent. I'm like, I know how to buy houses. I know how to flip homes. I've been a builder, blah, blah, blah. But I've never owned a retail anything. But I left him after one sitting and was like, I can do this. And I started talking to my kids about it. And I, you're going to work at the counter. Well, I was like, look, you can move up to manager real quick. Your mom owns it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah nepotism 101. Yeah, we love it. <laughs> so this thing is so important to us. So I want to ask you guys, do you have any outside information uh, as far as even... You've been married 29 years. I don't know very many black people that have been married 29 years. Of course, but our friends Gloria and George and them. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I know, like, two of y'all. Yeah. So what is the secret of keeping the relationship? Because it sounds like you need them both. You need God, you need mentoring, and you need a good, strong wife to help you <laughs> rise to the top. What is it that keeps you going together as a couple where you just said, oh, three, I know Barack and them. I don't really know them, but no of them. them, them y'all the three black couples. <laughs> they are goals. What is that that keeps you together and, and stable and smiling? So... Well, damn, it got quiet. <laughs> I'm trying not to over-talk her because I've well, been known to do that, so I'm being calm. Oh, Can you believe that? I'm in uh, therapy. Do you, want him, do, you want, do you want him to start and you chime in? or? There's a lot going through my head right now, and I'm still kind of um, thinking about the previous question that Bruce did all the answering on. Oh, well, then you feel free to go back. We can always edit and put your answer in there, and then come back to this. So answer how you see. Because... You guys were talking about some of the steps. How do you how do you kick it off? How do you start? And Bruce talked about the spiritual piece of things, but me, the analytical part. Um, I want to get back to just some of the steps that you should take to to kick it off to get started. Okay. And one of the things I did is I went to the bank. So we were a small business. So I think. It's important to go to a small bank. And that's actually the same advice that you gave me when I came in here. He said, You're, what are you starting out? I was like, a small business? He said, so you need a small bank. Because he was like, where do you bank? And I told him, he was like, you need to find you a small bank that you can deal with that will deal with you and work with you on the level that you're at. And again, yes. these are things that I've yes. never heard of. You yes. know? So that's Because people think the big banks are powerful. <clears throat> I can get a lot done. Right. But it's bureaucracy because they're big. And they're not going to uh, ca uh, cater to a small business. You're not going to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a big bank. You're not going to walk in and they're going to go, hi, Sharon. Right. But when you go to a small bank, they're calling you by name. Okay. And you, they know your goals. And um, you can talk to them constantly about, okay, yeah. now I've done this. What do I do next? Right. And so, in a way, they're sort of a mentor to you. Okay. 
on the financial side of things because they're helping you mm -hmm. through the process. So after you get the bank, so you, you honk all your stuff, you go to the bank. <laughs> okay, so you have to, you need a place, right? To If you're a retail store or restaurant or something that needs a storefront, you have to figure out where, where am I going to be where the customers can freely come so that I can sell to them. Okay, that's yeah. good. Bruce, you're going to add into that? Well, that and just to... Um, just to kind of stay focused, and you know, my big mentor always told me, don't get caught up in the emotions, pay attention to the numbers. And if it ain't making sense, it ain't making money. And these are very wealthy, wealthy mentors that I have uh, overseas and well in, in, in the States um, that I think uh, respectfully, since we're, this whole uh, conversation has been stemmed around black culture, is we often get caught up in too much noise Mm -hmm. and too much over here, over there. And when I see my other friends and colleagues who are of other cultures, I'm very close to the Korean culture. My wife and I, we're close to the Vietnamese culture, the Hindu culture. We're very close to a lot of business leaders in those capacities. And they all say this, and this is very important for the viewers, what I'm about to say, is stop putting energy in unnecessary noise, whether it be you know, social media, politics, that's noise, and focus more on this type of conversation right. that have more substance uh, where you can grow and get knowledge because noise is distracting. Right. You know, and it's it's and and uh, bigger conglomerates have used that to weaponize that against us to where we actually work against each other because we're caught up in noise. Right. So really, the bottom line is buying the expensive shoes and clothes. That's noise. Mm. You're trying to impress the wrong folks. Mm. Take that money and put it in your business. What else would you say to help someone? <laughs> well, I, you listen, I, I have to put, first and foremost, I have to put God at the top of the table one, once again. I really think that self and getting self together um, and getting spiritually connected has, is the nucleus and the key of anything you're trying to accomplish from, from a secular standpoint. Because remember, what we're talking about is secularism. But from a spirit world and, and getting yourself mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally ready as self will, will gain success on all those things. Anybody can do those things that you're talking about. But without self and getting oneself together and getting a relationship with God and getting yourself, you know, emotionally, health-wise together, putting all those components together is this is what I, my advice is, this is what we did. Remember, we never say anything that we haven't lived or seen we like to share it based on our own true testimony. Okay, that's great. You want to add anything? No, that was that was it. You may speak. <laughs> you may speak. I have already spoke. <laughs> what she said. <laughs> that wraps up another episode of what I said, but uh, what she said. Tune in Wednesday at 7 p.m. on all the platforms, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, so on and so forth. Bruce, Sharon, thank you guys so much for coming on. And I'm going to take this information that I just got 
and I'm going to use it to start my own business. And I'm going to continue to thrive. I'm going to take Bruce's prophecy now. And I'll come <laughs> back here in two years, but let me tell you where I'm at. But my goal for my kids as a mother, a single mother of three kids who are now all in college, my goal is to make sure that they're in a better position than where I was when I was their age. And I hope that everybody leaves here with that. If nothing else, leave here and say, my ceiling will be my kid's floor. And so I hope you set that as high as you possibly can. I thank you beautiful people for doing this for me. You know, I'm going to take a look at some jewelry so when my money gets right, <laughs> I can come back and go ahead and get Sharon. Go ahead and throw your ring up there, Sharon. Look at this. Look at this. Now turn this. Do you see this? This is what happens when your husband is a jeweler. I'm going to give me a husband that's a jeweler. Forget that. <laughs> see you when I see you.